want to welcome you today as we continue our emotion series. Thanks for wearing a name tag. Gary, I don't think you have a name tag on. Yeah. I don't really like name tags, but it's necessary here, I think, for us to begin to get to know each other. Uh, we collected trash at Medina High School, some of us yesterday, and someone said, hey, wait a minute. Before we start picking up trash, can we say everybody's name? Because there are about five people there that no one knew each other's name. So learn somebody's name today. Thanks for doing that. We're doing that every few weeks uh, so we can begin to get associated with each other. Also have plans this summer to do a food truck in the park, have service out there. And speaking of that, Zach mentioned June 5th. If you'll pick up one of these flyers or several of these flyers, we will be on the square June 5th. Uh, worship will start at 6.30 that night. We'll have communion out there. It'll be a full service, but it'll be on Sunday night. So we won't meet here on Sunday morning. We will meet there at 6 o'clock. We'll have snow cones and all kinds of stuff for the kids and bring out some uh, of your neighbors to uh, participate in that. We have to tear all this down and take it there on Sunday. Natalie, come on up here a sec. One more. I'm not much for announcements on Sunday mornings, but this is a special one. You all know Natalie. Uh, how many enjoy her leading worship? Isn't she awesome? She is now uh, part-time on staff at Northside. She's a next-gen assistant. Yes. And basically what that means is she's going to be a lot here with us in Medina helping with our little ones uh, in their classes, scheduling, and making sure it all goes off without a hitch. So we are excited. Awesome. Do me a favor. Let's just do this for fun. Smile. You haven't done it for a while. Go like this. All right? Smiling is contagious, isn't it? And I want to start out that way because as rough as it is out there, there are still things to smile about. There are still things to be happy about. Emotions, especially smiling, is contagious. But so is what we're going to talk about today. Dr. Daniel Goldman explains it this way. He says, emotions are actually more contagious than the flu. He says, the dynamic is so powerful that from one study, three volunteers sat silently in a circle for two minutes. And at the end of the time, the most emotionally expressive person transmitted his or her mood to the other two without even saying a word. He said, in every such experiment, in every session, the mood of the most expressive person had going was the mood also the others had going in was also the emotion others had coming out. Whether it was happy, bored, anxious, or angry, they're all contagious. And when it comes to anger, anger can trigger another person's anger. Anger is actually described as a secondary emotion. So when you think of anger, think of that light on the dashboard, that flashing light on your car. Anybody's going off right now? 
right? Ours has been on Brenna's car, the, our, our little Jeep. It's been lit for a year, all right? It still keeps on ticking, though. But the, it says there's something wrong, right, under the hood. And that little light will not go off until you address what's wrong underneath the hood. And the same is true with our anger. When our anger rears up and takes off, what it's saying is there's something wrong under the hood. There's something wrong in our hearts. And in order to make it stop, we have to address whatever that is. For instance, if you feel angry, maybe the cause under the hood in your heart is fear. Maybe you're dealing with fear right now, and it takes a lot of vulnerability to be able to admit what that fear is. But instead of surfacing as fear, it surfaces as anger. Or maybe underneath the hood for you is regret or shame. You've been unable to look at your life and your priorities in the right way because you have regrets that keep surfacing and they show themselves as anger. Or maybe under the hood for you is just fatigue and frustration. Every day you just wake up angry. Every day. The source, you're just wore out, worn out, frustrated. In our world, you can't help if you don't catch yourself to feed off the anger that exists in our world. It's every single day. Yesterday, Fox 8 News put out, our hearts go out to the community of Buffalo, New York, after an 18-year-old entered a grocery store with intent to kill. Tragedy in Buffalo, at least 10 people killed, three others wounded, after being shot. And that happened at 2.30 p.m. Saturday in a shopping market. What causes that? If we're not careful, we can get swallowed up even in the anger of our world and we don't even realize it, but it rubs off on us. So I'm going to look at the book of James in the New Testament. If you didn't know, James was a half-brother of Jesus. Imagine your brother, older brother, being known as the Son of God, all right? James really didn't take it too well. He didn't really believe it. When he heard people talking about Jesus, his brother, as the Son of God, that's a lot to take in. But then James watches his older brother be nailed to a tree and crucified. James comforts his mother, Mary, then watches his brother buried in a tomb only to come back to life. Three days later, his brother shows back up. Jesus sees James, and I imagine Jesus is like, I told you, bro, you know, I told you I'd be back. And after that happened, James was all in. And he couldn't help from telling people 
about Jesus, the Son of God. The book of James was written to people who are followers of Jesus. They were experiencing incredible pressure in that society. Many of them had lost their jobs, their homes, they're separated from their families. All of them were facing uncertain futures. A lot of frustration, a lot of fear, a lot of disappointment, a lot of anxiety. But what does James talk to them? James chapter 1, how's he start out? Well, this is what he says. My dear brothers, take note of this. And he gives them a command. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, when I read that, I still think of like a, someone filling out an application for a Dr. Phil show, right? And this kind of wraps up what goes on. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And that's not a suggestion. That's not a best practice. That is a command for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ. Part of me wishes James would have said, hey, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, unless the person you're talking to is unreasonable, right? Then go ahead. Be slow to speak, slow to become angry, quick to listen, unless the person you're talking to is really annoying. We're on the other side of the political aisle and beliefs from you. But that's not what he says. There are no qualifiers. James simply says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Become angry. Because here's the thing, verse 20, same chapter says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Ouch. Human anger does not cause us to live the life that God wants us to live doesn't allow you and I to experience the kind of relationships God wants us to experience. doesn't allow you and I to have the marriages God wants us to have. It doesn't allow us to live the kind of life God desires for us. And as we talk about anger, some of you are like, well, I'm okay here. Jeff, I'm not an angry person. I mean, I don't cuss. I don't yell. I've never thrown anything across the kitchen. Well, maybe you haven't, but there are other types of anger that are just as bad. It causes us not to live the life God desires us to live. Maybe instead of an extroverted kind of anger, you become manipulative. You express your anger by making yourself a victim where everybody feels sorry for you. Or maybe... Your anger is expressed by being sarcastic, always having criticism, saying hurtful things, but then hiding behind saying, y'all, I was only joking. Don't be so sensitive. Or maybe you become more passive aggressive. You withhold your attention or affection. Stop giving attention until you get the attention that you want. Someone says, hey, everything okay with you? You say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or maybe it's stonewalling for you. You withdraw from the other person. You ignore them. Give them the silent treatment. 
which to me is one of the cruelest expressions of anger you can have in a close relationship. So yeah, maybe you don't have a short fuse and explode and scream, but maybe you're more like a silent assassin kind of an anger person. Either way, human anger, James says, does not produce the righteousness that God requires. And James wants to help us understand how to grow in this, how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And he says, here's a few things to do. Verse 21, he says, you need to get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. Now remember, he's talking in the context of anger. He's talking in the context of speech, how we speak to each other. He says, these are some things you need to get rid of. And the language here is a repentant language. It's the idea of having some dirty, filthy clothes on, and you walk into the room, and you just stink up the place. And you have to go and have to change those clothes. Those clothes that you wear may have been passed on down from your mom, may have been passed down from your dad, you may have been wearing those clothes for a long, long time. You've always raised your voice. You've always been sarcastic. You've always made the comments that you made. You've always given in to harsh criticism. You've always been a little bit angry with your tone. James says, hey, you need to change. You need to get out of those clothes and you need to repent. It's not just a sin if you're offending other people by your anger, but it's a sin against God. Verse 21, after telling them to get rid of all those things, he says this, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. That's the phrase, that's the key to unlocking all this. Humbly accept the word of God planted in your heart. So much of our anger deals with our pride, with our selfishness. James says, if you want a blessing from God, if you want to experience God's power, if you want to save your life, then move from pridefully demanding your way and humbly accept God's way. And that has the power to save your soul. It also has the power to save your marriage. It has the power to save friendships. It has the power to save a relationship with your child. It has the power to save your health by humbly accepting the word God's planted in your heart. It goes one step further. Verse 22, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just hear these words about anger and in a moment forget about it and do whatever you feel like doing. He says, otherwise, you're just kind of fooling yourself. James says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. There are mirrors on your seats when you came in. Go ahead and grab a hold of that. Just look in it for a second. 
James says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. He says, if you look carefully into the perfect law, it'll set you free. If you look carefully into God's word, God's standard, and you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, and you put it into practice, God will bless you. And he uses the word picture of a mirror. It says part of humbly accepting God's word is by looking into the mirror. And you look into that mirror and you got to be honest with what you see. I tell you, sometimes I look into the mirror in the morning <laughs> and I don't like what I see, right? I don't like what I see. And someone might see something on me that I really don't notice myself. It's been a few weeks ago, a month or so ago. Christine, and Christine is my eye doctor. She's a fantastic eye doctor. Makes me be able to see. Raise your hand, Christine. Here she is. All right. Um, when she comes out on a Sunday morning, and you know, I usually stand out there, and she looks at me, and she looks at my face, and she takes her finger, and she goes, "What's that?" Right? She points at my face. She says, "What's that right there?" I said, what are you talking about? She says, "You've got a mark right there on your face that you need to get checked out." Okay, okay, doc, okay. But I've, I've seen it. Did I pay attention to it? Have I got it checked out? <laughs> no, all right, not yet. But there are some times we can look into the mirror and we don't even notice things about ourselves, and that's huge with anger. We can look into the mirror, look into God's word and not address our anger, but everyone around us knows that we battle with anger. James knows that this is one of those things that you can talk about. You can sit out here and say, yep, 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 anger, horrible, anger, horrible, and then go home and just lose it. We lose it. Once you become angry, you start to lose the ability to think rationally about what you say and what you do. Anger tells your body it's not time to stop and think. It's time to fight or flight. And so with all this in mind, I want to give you one word based on this set of scripture that we've read. One simple word that will help you to be more rational when it comes to your anger. And it's not tough. It's not tough. Here's the word. Stop. Say it with me. Stop. Stop. Whenever you start to become angry, get the visualization of a stop sign in your head and you simply stop in your tracks the moment you start to feel angry. If you were taking an anger management class, one of the techniques they would give you is called thought stopping. Thought stopping. And it's very much rooted in scripture. It's the idea of, as Paul says, to take our thoughts captive, of being intentional, control our thoughts early on to catch things before they spiral out of control. So in your mind, 
you pull up the word or the stop sign and you stop in your tracks and you think about it. You say, okay, what do I need to do next to make sure that I'm living the kind of life God desires? Just pause. Just pause. One of the things that have been helpful for me as I went through this was learning about the stages of anger. And depending on where you look, you can find anywhere from three to 10 stages of anger. The first stage is this, mild irritation. Mild irritation. It's where most of us live these days. We're all kind of every day kind of mildly irritated about something. Maybe the kids are too loud in the house. The charger cord for the phone again disappears. The clicker for the TV, who knows where it's at. Occasionally choosing the wrong line at the grocery store. That's me every single time. <laughs> Mild irritation. But that leads to step two, provoked frustration. And this has a deeper level of intensity to it. It feels like something's happening that is a little more intentional to you personally. Mild irritation is somebody pulling out in front of you um, in traffic, pulling out in front of you. Provoked frustration. Provoked frustration is the person who pulls out of, in front of you is driving a Hummer and they happen to have a Michigan bumper sticker, right? Yeah, that's provoked. That cuts a little bit deeper. Now, here's the thing about these two stages. Both of the stages would be, those stages would be considered thought stages. In other words, the anger that you're feeling, most of it's happening in your head, in your head coming from your heart, but it's in your head. You haven't necessarily said anything. You haven't done anything. It's still inside. The next stage of anger is called personal indignation. This is where it really starts to sink in. You feel like you've been attacked personally. You've been mistreated. You've been disrespected. Now, here's the challenge. Personal indignation is a part of the speech stage that goes to the fourth stage, which is uncontrolled anger. That's where you just lose it. And this tends to be the major action stage. This is where you can't help but express yourself. You can't help but share your anger. And you will do things that you never thought you could do. You will say things that you never thought you would say. The challenge for us is to do our thought stopping before we get to anger three or anger four to stop it before it gets to the action stages. Mild irritation, provoke frustration before your speech happens. Think about the stop sign and take your thoughts captive. That is tough to do in the heat of the moment. But if we're aware of it, then we won't have the tendency to think, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, and then we explode. James says, be slow to anger. He also says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. So I would say, not only think about that stop sign when it comes to your, what you're thinking and the way your actions are, but here's a simple one. 
stop talking. Right? <laughs> when you feel it coming, just stop talking. James says, be slow to speak. And when you, because when you're talking, you're not what? Listening. Makes sense. Stop talking. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Now, the idea here is that listening is not a passive act. There's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. Right? Sometimes I can hear something, right? but I'm really not listening to something. That's not a good thing. Um, it's happened, I heard my wife laugh. This happens a lot between her and I. A lot. Um, I don't know if you husbands can relate to this, but she'll be talking away. Let me just. And I can be watching, you know, the playoffs now or, or whatever it might be. And she'll say, you're not listening to me. I say, yeah, I am. I heard every word you said. Okay, what I say? It's our conversation back and forth in the living room. Well, what I say? I said, and I can verbatim tell her everything she said. Well, maybe you heard it, but you're not listening. And she's right, all right? She's right. I can hear it, but I'm not necessarily taking it in and listening to her. When you're really listening something, that means you are eliminating other noises and other things that you're focused on, and you're intently leaning in. If you want to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, a great way to do that is start by asking questions. It is really practical here. If you feel someone's level of speech begins to rise, don't talk over them don't raise your voice but just calmly listen for a minute and start to ask questions why do you really feel that way what are you really talking about and all of a sudden you'll see their anger diffuse which again is very contagious to make your anger rise and then all of a sudden it levels out. I encourage you to try it even today because I guarantee you, if not today, tomorrow, you'll be in a situation where somebody begins to get a little bit irritated. And if you will not talk over them, but simply back off and listen and just ask some questions, you'll see that diffuse. Because if you're always talking over someone, you're never really listening. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Stop and listen, then stop and look. Stop and listen, then stop and look. Look at yourself in the mirror. Take an honest assessment of your anger. I want you to do that right now. I just want you again to look in that mirror. In a moment, we're going to reflect on the cross. Just keep looking in the mirror. 
In a moment, we're going to start and reflect on the cross. And whenever we reflect on the cross, it causes us to go to repentance. And whenever you look in the mirror, I challenge you to reflect on God's word, to reflect on God's standard, and really look and see where you are. Where's your heart? And when it comes to anger, as we've been talking about this morning, what's under the hood? What is the trigger that makes you become angry when you become angry? And we all go there. What's the trigger? In the next few moments, you had a Sharpie marker. I want you just to write the trigger for your anger. There may be one, there may be two, there may be a bunch, but just write that on the mirror and you're gonna keep these mirrors and leave the Sharpie on the chair when you leave. But just write it on that mirror. What's under the hood that triggers your anger? Go ahead and do that for the next few moments. you just to bow your heads. Close your eyes. And remember when Jesus died. When he hung on the cross, he had every right to be angry. Because Jesus wasn't just right. Jesus was perfect. Yet think about how he responded. The Bible says he was silent before his accusers. He didn't have to be. The Bible says when he was on the cross, he spoke forgiveness and grace. 
He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. When Jesus had every right to be angry, he gave grace. He gave it to them who crucified him and he gives it to you and he gives it to me. And now that grace should overflow out of our lives to the lives of the people we come in contact with. As we remember his sacrifice this morning by taking a cup of juice that represents his blood that flowed from the cross and we take a piece of bread that represents his body that was sacrificed and given up for us. May that type of sacrifice and that type of grace, that type of forgiveness flow from our lives as it did from his. Father, as we take these emblems in the next few moments, God, I pray that we can reflect we can reflect on looking in the mirror but not walk away and forget what we saw. The mirror representing your word, your truth, your standards for us to live a life that you are pleased with, that you desire us to live. And God, this morning we've talked about a tough subject God, as we talk about anger, we realize we can talk about it, as James says here in one minute, and in a few hours, God, just act as if we never ever even talked about it or looked in the mirror. But God, I pray by your spirit and by your power, you give us the strength to stop, to stop. Look in the mirror and listen. And God, one of the best times to do that is right now, as we do every single week, by taking the supper that you have given us to remember your sacrifice for us and the grace that you give. Not anger, but forgiveness and grace, God, that we never deserve. We take these emblems in honor and remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.